Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Dr. Debbie Silver with me. Debbie is the founder of the Post Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset, and personal development expert. The author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis, and her newest book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Debbie is an award-winning speaker, coach, and author. She has been on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, and TED Talks. I am so excited to have her here with me today. Debbie, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to uh, to our conversation. You know, it's actually my 30th year in business, health mindset, personal development. And I don't think there's anybody who says, you know, I think I want to study betrayal. It, it just doesn't <laughs> work like that. So I, I had a, a really painful betrayal from my family and I thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And a few years later, it happened again, this time my husband. Anybody who's been through it, you're shocked, you're blindsided, you're devastated. Life as you've known it has just crashed. And so I got him out of the house and I, I, I looked at the two experiences and I said, well, what's common to these two? Of course, me. And I, and I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my needs seriously. And I said, that's, that's it. Something drastic has to change. So here I was, I was 50, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I'm like, I'm going back for a PhD. I had no idea how I was going to manage it, how I was going to pay for it. But, you know, like I teach within the PBT Institute, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So, um, so I, I entered into this program and it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. I was changing so much. I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that yet. Mm -hmm. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal, what holds us back, what helps us heal, and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my work, my family, my life. This is so exciting. It's something that I'm definitely keen to learn more about. And I love that already you brought in your past personal experiences and that they weren't just romantic betrayals, right? They were to do with your family as well, no. because I think and, we hear and the that's word. what happens. You know, it's not yeah. just, it's not just the betrayal of a partner. It could be a family member, a friend, someone yeah. in a position of authority, self-betrayal. You know, but it's it's typically originally when I was doing this study, it was the betrayal of a family member, a partner or a friend. And I actually had to drop the friend part because while friends will infuriate us and will be so angry when they they've betrayed us, they don't break us. Of course, we're never broken, bent. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't break us like the family members or the partners. Fascinating. Yeah. So could you explain to the listeners what betrayal is in your words? So yeah. what, is, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Things like that. 
Yeah, sure. So I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And every relationship has them. And the way it works is the more you trust and the more you depend on that person, the deeper the betrayal. So for example, a child who's completely dependent on their parent and the parent does something awful, that's going to have a different impact than let's say your best friend sharing your secret, your coworker taking credit for your idea. Still clean up left in the wake of the experience, not to the same magnitude. But what happens is this is the person or these were the people who gave us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, um, this is why I experience a lot with my couples in affair work because the person who they want comfort from is potentially the person that has betrayed them, who yes. has you know, broken the heart, as we say, and broken the trust. And it's really difficult for the person who has been betrayed because they're like, well, I just want to get all my comfort and security from you because you're my safety. But at this moment, I don't feel safe with you. Exactly. Exactly. And it takes a tremendous amount of work to rebuild that. And people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? hundred percent, but it takes a lot. Now forgiveness is all about us. Forgiveness releases the, the power that the pain has over us. When it comes to reconciliation, whether that's with a partner, a family member, a friend, that has so much to do with the person who shattered the trust in the first place. Yeah, which is really difficult if you are the only one interested in doing this work and the other person's like not on board with it, right? Exactly. You know, I look at trust like a like a brick wall. You know, when you think about it, the only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity that person has to show that they're trustworthy represents one brick in that brick wall. And then think about it. It could take years to build. And then in one earth shattering moment, the entire thing can come tumbling down. Well, the person whose trust was shattered can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest and watching that thing get rebuilt, totally fine. You walk away. However, if the person whose trust has been shattered is willing to watch the big the brick wall be rebuilt. The person who shattered the brick wall has to be a really good bricklayer. And it has to go up the same way it went up the first time, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they have to show that they're trustworthy, one brick in that brick wall. What I see so many people do, though, is they they don't like the feeling. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. They just want to go back to what was. So it's essentially as if they're saying, forget it. I'll build the brick wall. No, it doesn't work. It's really interesting what you're saying because um, we have a new puppy. So he's just 13 weeks old. And last night we were in puppy class with the trainer and the trainer was telling us to do this exercise where we touch the puppy, give him a treat, touch the puppy, give him a treat, you know, touching him everywhere all over his body. And he was talking about that as in building up this kind of um, trust bank account, because Mm -hmm. one day your dog's going to get something in his ear or he's going to get like a, thorn in his foot and you're going to have to pull that thorn out of his paw and it's almost like all of the money that you've put in the bank account is going to go to like minus or to zero so you've got to put this work in in advance and that's what make making me think about what you're talking about how we kind of go back to zero and is the other person so it'll be me as the dog owner is going to try to build it up me as the one who betrayed the trust by pulling the thorn out of the paw it's a similar concept right 
Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting because I mean, we've had so many dogs. We, we actually lost three in this past year and now we have four. Um, and I never heard of that ah. <laughs> with all of my dogs. That's a great idea. <laughs> I had six dogs. You said you had at one point. Wow. We had six dogs. Yeah. It was crazy. And then we lost three. We were so mm -hmm. devastated. We Oof. got a, a chocolate lab puppy. We just couldn't take oh. the, the loss. It was, you know, three in one year was so much That's to lose. Tragic. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm struggling with this one. So I, <laughs> I think you're amazing. I don't know how you did all of that. Um, now I know you mentioned your PhD and mm -hmm. I know that that was based on betrayal and you made these groundbreaking discoveries. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So the first one was originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is if you imagine like an upside of trauma, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness perspective insight that you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd actually been through disease and I'm like, betrayal feels so different, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. Here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self gets shattered. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, belonging, worthiness, trust, those are huge. They all get shattered. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It was like post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. When you rebuild your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal, you're in this state called post-betrayal transformation. That was the first discovery. Mm. Tell us about post-betrayal transformation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is a version of you that is so healed, so healthy, so confident, so strong that never would have had the opportunity to show up had, you know, your experience mm -hmm. not happened. And with betrayal, there is a complete and utter death and destruction of the old. But because of that, you're allowed to rebirth the new, whether that means you rebuild yourself and you move on. That's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I do with my husband. So not long ago, as two totally transformed people, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids as our bridal party. And never, never would I have done that if I wasn't totally different. And for sure, if he wasn't. But what happens is you, you ever, because everything's been leveled, you leave behind everything that doesn't serve and you bring with you the parts of you that you love and you create this version of you that is just it would just blow your mind. <laughs> I love the sound of that. <laughs> so tell us about step two. Yeah. So the second discovery, this was really exciting too. The second discovery was that there is this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had probably 30,000 plus people take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. What's so interesting about that quiz is we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof that's not true <laughs> because people write things. There's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 
you know, 35 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 10 years ago, feels like it happened yesterday. So we know when it comes to betrayal, it's a very different experience that you cannot heal as you would heal other uh, life crises and traumas. That was the second discovery. So how, if the listeners are listening to this and they're thinking, well, Mm -hmm. how do I know if I have post-betrayal syndrome? Mm -hmm. um, What would you tell them? Yeah, well, I can get to the third discovery, which would let you know exactly where you are. And I also, every few months, I pull the stats from the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent someone is struggling. So um, I'm happy to share those stats or go through, you know what, why don't I go through the third discovery because people will find themselves there and I can dive deeper into the symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome. So this third discovery in like the geekiest way, I thought my head was going to fly right off my body. This was so exciting. (laughs) And what what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, go from the symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we now know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Why is that good? Healing's predictable. If someone is willing to do what it takes, they will predictably move through the five stages. And I'm happy to share the five stages if you want. Please. Does it always go like step one to five or sometimes is it a bit of a mix up together? Always. No, you do not skip a stage. The order doesn't change. You will go through. If you are to fully heal, you're going to go through all five. Now, what most people do, though, is they get stuck in stage three. And that's why, you know, I realized the bio I sent you, I have to update it because my next book is coming out within the next few weeks, (laughs) just for the people in stage three from hardened to healed. The book is called. Ah. So I'm going to share with you what the five stages are. And and I invite everybody really to tune in and say, which stage am I at? Okay. So stage one, is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me too. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, the thinking, and not really thinking and doing, not really prioritizing uh, the emotional and the spiritual, the feeling and being. So what does that look like? You know, it's like if you see a table with two legs, easy for that table to topple over and that's us. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock, trauma, D-Day, Discovery Day. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Here you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules that prevent chaos and govern you. And in a moment, every rule you've known to be real and true is no longer. The bottom is truly bottomed out on you right here. And a new bottom hasn't shown up. So it's terrifying. But think about it. If you were, you know, walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? Like it's so practical, but here's the trap. 
this is the stage we get stuck in. Here's why. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, you think it's good. Now, we don't know there's a stage four and stage five. Transformation doesn't even happen, doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we think this is as good as it gets and this is the end of the road, we plant roots here and four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all of these small self benefits from being here. We get to be right, we get our story, we get someone to blame, we get a target for our anger, um, we get sympathy from everybody we tell our story to. We don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Should I trust you? Can I trust you? Ah, forget it, I'm not trusting anybody. And we start planting deeper roots because we're here longer than we're supposed to be, but we don't know that. Now the mind starts doing things like, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots because this is what you think. Like energy attracts like energy. This, these are the thoughts. Now you're attracting people and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. You plant deeper roots, gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you have, you have no idea there's anything better, right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior to numb, avoid, distract yourself from what's so painful to feel or face. So think about it. You do that for a day, a week, a month, now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can honestly see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing or that drinking you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say, oh my gosh, that happened 20 years ago. But do you see all they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. That makes sense? Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, so anyway, if, they're, if you're willing to let go of the small self-benefits, grieve, mourn the loss, a bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo this experience, but I control what I do with it. And I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but you know it's gonna be okay. And when you're in this, position, mental, if you're in this mental space, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. What's interesting about stage four is also, if you were to move, you don't take everything with you, right? Like you don't take the stuff you don't love. You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be once you're in that new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. You've outgrown them right here. So people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. <laughs> they can't meet up with you. You don't take them. Anyway, when you move into, uh, you're, you're settling into this space, you make it okay. You move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth that earlier. You were surviving. Now you do. Your mind, you're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on your experience. And you have a new worldview 
based on all you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Wow, I'm pretty blown away. My head's just like full of all these thoughts. Um, and it's making me think about how when I started my psychotherapy training, I think my teacher says something like, you might lose friends, you might experience problems with your partners. And I guess it's because if we're thinking about it with regards to the stages, we're like transitioning to stage four, right? So bringing this like newer version of yourself where you don't need to have all of that shit that you've been like holding on to from before, Um yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's very threatening to people. Like they knew who you were. They knew where they stood yeah. when you yeah. weren't feeling well, when you were at that, that certain place. And then, you know, think about it. You were the one who decided that's it. I'm, I'm pursuing this new path. And, and usually two things happen. The first is the other person is sort of faced to confront what they may not be willing or able to do. You know, the second thing is they can feel abandoned. It's like, uh Oh, here she is on this new journey. Where does that leave me? So, you know, here's where they may try to subtly or not so subtly sabotage you. And here's where, you know, you really can, can just uh, be ready for a very different type of, you know, person in your life. And you've simply outgrown them. And that's why when people come into, they come into the PBT Institute that, you know, sometimes they say, oh, I just want to be okay with my partner again. We never guarantee that. You know, our work is to get the betrayed to their physical, mental, and emotional best. Now, a few things happen. Sometimes from that space, they're not the least bit interested in, in you know, their partner anymore. They've completely yeah. outgrown them. Sometimes from that space, that partner says, I better step up my game to meet the strength of this person, you know, so we never know what's going to show up. And that's why the only work after betrayal is to get to your physical, mental, and emotional best. Because if you immediately, you just can't stand that feeling and you just want to be with that person, regardless, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So all you can do is expect more of the same. And I know before you were talking about step three, people being numbing, um, what were the other words you use kind of avoiding distracting. avoiding exactly yeah. so yeah. if someone is doing that they would know because they'll be doing some of the behaviors you were talking about earlier such as watching the tv drinking things like that is there any other thing that they might be doing that allows them to know okay that's where i'm stuck you know i actually have these four questions that i invite everybody to ask themselves. And I invite you to write these down. And that's my way of saying, write these down. Ready? So the <laughs> Did first I write question, them down? <laughs> yeah. The first question is, because you can't change what you're not aware of. So the first okay. question is, am I numbing, avoiding, distracting? If so, how? Call yourself on it. Do you go into the kitchen, you're not the least bit hungry, and you start reaching for food? Do you walk into a room, you put the TV on because you are desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts? Call yourself on it. Mm -hmm. The second question, what am I pretending not to see? Am I pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? Am I pretending not to see I hate my job? What am I pretending not to see? The third question, what's life gonna look like in five to 10 years if I keep this going? Right, play it all the way out. We don't wanna do that, but play out that relationship issue that you're avoiding five to 10 years. What does that look like? Play out that health issue that you're ignoring. Five to 10 years, what does that look like? Play out the work issue. Five to 10 years, what does that look like? And the fourth question, what can life look like if I change now? 
I'm not saying it's easy. Transformation begins when we tell ourselves the truth. So that's the first step to healing ourselves and learning to trust other people again. It, well, you know, with tr- tr- and there's a reason why I wrote the book Trust Again. What happens with with trusting is, and I see this so often, we're so uncomfortable, and we just r- rush to trust in that other person. And if you notice, when it's early, it ba- when it's not right, it backfires every single time. So I teach a four step trust rebuilding process. Of course, it's in Trust Again. If we have time, I can share it with you right now. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so the fir- the first stage is think about it. When when we've been betrayed, we don't trust, of course, our betrayer, and we don't trust ourselves. We're like, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I not know? Yeah. So so then we're like, well, how can I trust in anybody else? So it shatters trust all across the board. So what happens is the first stage is the first level is we have to build trust in the most foundational, no brainer aspects of life. So you have a foundation upon which to stand. So I'm talking something as simple as will the sun rise? I don't know. I can't even count on that anymore. So you look at every morning. Is it there? Sure enough, there it is. Can I trust it? No. So do it again and again and again till you can believe, you know what? I can kind at least I can count on the sun rising. There's your foundation. Once you stand on that only when you, you know, don't move forward until you get that one, then you move to level two. Level two is you have to trust in your wise inner guide and your gut because so often we turn that down. Yes. So to do that, you have to get a felt sense and it's different for everybody. So I can't tell you what it feels like of what does trust feel like for you? You know, get a felt sense and picture, you know, your, your puppy wagging his tail, two babies laughing, whatever it is. And how does that feel? Where do you feel that in your body, right? Lock that in and then go back to D-Day, Discovery Day. Go back to that, uh, that, that day where you saw someone lying to your face. You knew it. How did that feel? Where'd you feel it? That's what a lack of trust feels like for you. As you go about your day, you know, you, ju- you try to go, just imagine which one does this feel closer to? When I'm interacting with this person, does it feel closer to my puppy wagging his tail? Does it feel closer to the day that I was lied to? What does it feel closer? For? And trust it, right? Like I had a mentor who said our, our gut is like 10,000 times more perceptive than our mind. We, we get that gut hit, but then we override it with the mind. No, trust the gut, it never lies. Once you, you, and you can feel a sense of safety and security building with this. Once you have that down, now you have to learn to trust in yourself again because self-trust was shattered. So how do you do that? You give yourself little tasks and then you do them. I'm going to drink that glass of water and then you do. I'm going to work out and then you do. I will not call my ex and then you don't, whatever it is. And what you're learning and teaching yourself is my word is law. If I say something, I mean it. I'm trustworthy. So you, you built that foundation, you built that, that trust in your, in your intuition, your wise inner guide, you, you built trust in yourself and you feel this sense of safety and security only from that place. Now you're, you're ready to cautiously, carefully start to build trust in others. But what we do is we don't do the first three. We just go for the trust in others and it's shaky and unstable and it doesn't work. Does that make sense? 
perfect sense. And I love that you brought in intuition because it's something that we all have, but whether we listen to it is a completely different story. And I see, you know, with my clients all the time, they'll say like, oh, I knew it, but I just like, you know, or I, I thought it, but then I just was always challenging myself. And it's like, people could have got, to the situations or the outcomes so much quicker if mm-hmm. they actually listen to what their gut was saying because as you say it is so perceptive and I think a lot of us think oh that's nonsense that's woo woo that's hippie stuff um but no <laughs> this, this is proven right <laughs> you could call it what you like but it works and and yeah. you know I call it your bs meter and what happens is the more you trust that you'll notice how it's working for you. And it also helps you really assess if if someone is congruent. And by congruent, it's like when the thoughts, behaviors, and actions are all aligned, you can trust that. Like you ever notice those people, they're saying one thing, but their body language or their mannerisms are yeah. saying something else. Or like you ever see those people who smile, but their eyes don't smile. And it's like weird and creepy, not like a Botox thing, but like something's something them is off. Yeah. Trust that, right? <laughs> like there's something going on. Trust it. Yes. Oh, I could speak to you all day. Thank you so much for coming. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So I invite everybody to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent you're struggling. And you can just find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. I'm going to post that on the show notes page. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a delight to have you. Thank you so much. Yay.